we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. One more time, let's give it up for all of the families and babies. Yes, yes, yes. Parenthood is no joke. Well, listen, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's so good to be with you. All of you that are in the room, and shout out to every single person that's also watching online. I just love moments like this where we get to value our families. Um, and just as a, a fairly new parent, um, you, you want to do everything you can uh, to steer your kid in the right direction, and it matters so much. Uh, like Chris said, I'm just going to echo it one more time. Uh, those for the, that's for the kids. Uh, maybe you're even thinking to yourself, man, I missed this one. Um, is there a way? What's the next one? When is the next one going to be? Uh, please email our children's pastor Kaylee uh, to find out more information uh, so that we can uh, start even scheduling you now uh, to get on the calendar for that. And also baptism. Um, what an amazing uh, opportunity for us as adults uh, to take that step um, and uh, follow Jesus in another, just a new way of refreshing, a catalyst moment for, um, for our faith. Uh, today, I have the awesome opportunity of continuing on in our series. I'm excited about that. We've been in a series now entitled Fan or Follower. Um, also, before I get started, I may mention also just in the back of my mind, it slipped. Um, I brought up way too many people and I broke the rules. Kaylee, forgive me. That was my bad. Um, make sure you go to rehearsals all the time so you can know I had way too many people that I, my bad. Anyways, that's more of an internal thing that I'm stressing out internally about. But there's a sermon that has to be preached, okay? So we're continuing along in a series um, called Fan or Follower. And this idea of what it looks like to uh, not just be a fan, uh, but what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Uh, what I like about this series up until now, we get to lean into the conversation, but also uh, it's not a knock on fans, uh, right? Because I think that's an awesome uh, place uh, to be in. Um, and if we're honest, all of us, uh, have a little bit of a fan of Jesus in us. Uh, that fan is the person that likes to be around Jesus, uh, excited about, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Chris Sturgeon preached last week. He said, uh, wearing the concert t-shirt. Um, anybody wore concert t-shirts back in the day? Um, my first concert that I ever went to was a Keith Sweat concert. I didn't buy a t-shirt though, but I'm sure you probably got a t-shirt at a Black Sabbath concert or something. Anyways, um, when he talks about being a fan, it's not just wearing the jersey. It's not just wearing the concert t-shirt. It's not just uh, being around for the fanfare. Uh, but today we get to lean into what is Jesus ask, actually inviting us into? What does it look like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Uh, the way that I want to make my way there is to look at uh, passages from two different passages uh, from one writer by the name of Luke and one writer by the name of John. Uh, these two guys are followers of Jesus. Uh, the, the Bible called them disciples of Jesus. Uh, they know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And they write a firsthand account of two encounters that I think is going to bless us for today. Uh, because the question that we're going to get at is what keeps us from following after Jesus? What keeps us from fully, continually to follow after Jesus? And what does that even mean? I'm going to read, uh, start off in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. I'll read this in your hearing. Check this out. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. 
He said to another man, follow me. But that person replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Ouch. We're going to see some things that Jesus says today uh, that's seemingly on the surface, pretty tough responses. I mean, this guy says, let me, let, me, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, don't do that. Let the dead bury the dead. What does he mean when he says that? Because face value, that, that, that's pretty harsh. Like, I can't go to my father's funeral. Like, what, what are you saying here? That's what we're going to get at. John puts it this way in verse 66. I want to read for you. He says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. Jesus says these words, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Are you also going to leave, Jesus asked. I want to wrestle with that question with you for the next few moments. Let us pray just one more time as we enter into this space. God, thank you. Uh, for your grace and your patience. Would you challenge us and encourage us to become followers and not just fans? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, not too long ago, uh, actually probably a couple of years ago, I should say, a couple of years ago, I remember uh, stepping into this place where um, I knew, I, sometimes I share with you all uh, some of my fitness journey, right? I'm on this journey, I got to figure out things health-wise. And so, but my rhythm, let me tell you my rhythm, um, six months of just doing nothing and eating badly and staying up too late and all sorts of things. And then this like awakening of like looking at myself in the mirror, like, boy, get yourself together. Like that's my rhythm. And so I move from this place of sitting on the couch, bad habits, doing nothing. And then I make this like impulse decision. A couple years ago, I made this impulse decision and I decided to move from the couch and call that morning and pay for a CrossFit membership. So I moved from the couch and go right into a CrossFit workout that day. So I moved that day. I mean, I'm like, Maurice, you got to get it together. So I move. I go right into this CrossFit that morning, bright and early. Maurice, get your life together. So I move from the couch to the CrossFit gym. I walk in. I think I know what I'm doing. I got all these things together. And so if you've been in CrossFit world or CrossFit things before, you know, uh, they got this WOD on top of the board. WOD. They say it's workout of the day. Uh, it is uh, take a visit to hell is what it really means. Okay. <laughs> So WOD, as soon as you walk in, the whole team, everybody knows exactly what's on the board, workout of the day, we're about to visit hell. And so I'm sitting there. I don't know this, though, because I'm from the couch to the CrossFit gym. And so I'm brand new. I'm, like, excited. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this thing going. I got to get my health together. They blow the whistle. Everybody's in rotation. They're hitting the circuit. I'm like, okay. So I think I know what I'm doing. And so they throw me on uh, the bench press first, right? So we're doing bench press. I'm like, I got this. I could do this. And I'm like, you know, the guy's like, so what we want you to do is control it on the way down and then breathe on the way out. I'm like, man, I know what I'm doing. I got this. So bench press, I'm like, all right, I got this. We move, the whistle's blowing. Now we're on to the next thing. But not only do we do bench press, now we're on this like snatch, right? Like the barbell snatch. And so we're just going from here, snatching. I'm like, all right, I got this until 
we got to keep doing like reps of this, like several reps. And then I'm looking at uh, this middle-aged white woman, and I'm like, I can, I can keep up. I can. And I'm taking a break, and she's just going. I mean, she's killing it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So mentally, I'm trying to keep with her, and then we're just going. And so the next thing, they, they blow the whistle, and then they say, okay, now you got to do pull-ups. Pull-ups, let me tell you this. When it comes to an enemy, when it comes to Satan himself, pull-ups is that for me. So I'm getting on pull-ups. I'm like, okay. And I know I got one good pull-up in me, one good one. So I hit that one good pull-up, and then I'm like, oh, all right, where's like the resistance band, the thing that's going to help me? Guy's like, nope, we got to keep going. You can, you can do this. And I'm like, and I'm trying to do the pull-up, and I'm like, I can't do this. So I'm getting to a point where, and he's just pushing me. He's pushing me. He's like, no, we don't do, you don't need any help. You don't need any support. And then he like tried to help me a little bit, and he just like moves from here. I'm like, if you know anything about working out, you going from here, I'm not like little. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to need you to come from underneath. I'm going to need some help because this is 90-10 and it's 90 on you, brother, okay? And I've got the 10%. And so he comes from here and so I'm just like going through again. I'm looking at all these other people, just outwork me. And I get to the point where I'm just kind of like, okay. So I'm like breathing. I'm huffing and puffing. And then they blow the whistle again. I said, all right, hey, where's your restroom? I didn't go to the restroom. And so I tell the dude, I'm going to the restroom. They never saw my face again. Let me tell you. <laughs> I went to the restroom. I grabbed my keys. I snuck out of there. I never went back to that place. You hear me? All the reasons, uh, all these things, I couldn't keep up. Somebody else was outworking me. I, I couldn't figure it out. I can only do one pull-up. All of these reasons. But it got to a point as I'm listening to this instructor and him pushing us, it got to a point where I just flat out had to say, bro, what you are asking of me it's just flat out too hard. It is too hard of what you are asking of me. And the connection that I want to make today from a 32-year-old plus-size gentleman workout fitness journey to our faith is that there's many reasons why we stop following Jesus. The story today that we read is because what he is asking of people becomes too hard. There's all sorts of statistics and reasons why people leave their faith and why people actually step away from God. I started looking at a few statistics, and I looked at some different statistics from Barna and different things. And one of the, uh, a few couple of them was uh, because people have become disappointed by who God is. Disgusted by other Christians, church seemed too antagonistic to science, unfriendly to those who doubt. And the list went on and on and on, talking about why people stopped following Jesus, why people walked away from their faith. But, but if we're honest, for some of us in the room, where's that one statistic? Out of all the things I read, none of them said what Jesus asked of me was just simply too hard. And I think there's some people in this room that could actually resonate with that, right? That could actually sit in that place of what you have demanded of me. This uncomfortable place that you are calling me into is just simply too hard. And it is, it is, excuse me, isn't it interesting that the disciples, uh, these followers of Jesus, disciples simply means the person who is following after Jesus, learning in the way of this Jewish rabbi Jesus, walking in his ways, laughing with him, walking with him, living with him, doing life with Jesus. These disciples, there were more than 12. For, more, for those of you in the, in the Christian world, you grew up in 12 disciples, 12 disciples. Uh, scripture shows us that there were more disciples, but the Bible says many of them 
walked away from Jesus because of what he was asking was too hard. And so he turns to the 12 and says, aren't you going to leave too? What happens in our faith journey when it becomes too hard? Like, I don't want to live that type of life. Like, it seems like faith is more restrictive than it is free and flourishing. It feels as if it's asking a whole lot of me. And when I didn't know Jesus, I just could do whatever I wanted to do. Like, I could live life in a framework that felt good. That I didn't have to go with God, I could just go with my gut. And if it felt good, I could just lean into that. And it feels more freeing to live a life that's outside of the faith journey. I remember a time in my own life, I was youth pastor at the time back in California. And I remember going back and forth, um, actually in my mind, wrestling with um, living a life uh, that was above reproach. Which simply means living a life uh, that uh, had high responsibility. And so I'm a youth pastor and I'm doing these different things and I'm trying not to give into the things that I'm seeing around my friends. Social media had just started popping off. I go on social media and I look at my friends and now they're in college and they're living the college life. And I started having doubts, y'all. I started having doubts. I'm a youth pastor, I, you know, talk about Jesus. But then I'm going home. I'm like, man, I want to live that college life. I want to live that. I, I want to do the things that I'm seeing my friends doing. I, I know it's not always good stuff, but, but it seems as if this life that they're living is way better than trying not to have a whole bunch of sexual partners outside of marriage and not getting drunk and blacking out. It seems as if this is just too hard. Today, I have two points that I want to make for you about what it means to follow after Jesus. The scripture calls us to make a progression in our life that being a fan is just fine. But it was always Jesus' intent. It was always God's intent for humanity to become fully devoted followers. But followers, it's being a follower demands a little bit more out of our life. The passage that we read today shows us uh, that there is a progression of following Jesus. Let me give you a little biblical context just for a little bit. Uh, Jesus, in the passage that we read, uh, he's feeding the 5,000. He feeds 5,000 people. The people, the crowd is all with him. He's sitting there, he, does, he meets their physical needs, right? And so as he meets their physical needs, uh, he actually recognizes the movement of people. He doesn't want people to just stay in that place. So Jesus feeds 5,000, and then he says these words a little bit further. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, you got to know in that particular context, when it landed on the first century person in that particular time, Jesus says something that seems blasphemous. You can't say that you are the bread of life. He actually says that the manna, the, the bread that was given to the Israelites in the wilderness years and years ago, decades, centuries ago before me, uh, I was that bread. And people were sitting there like, wait a second, this was way older than you. What are you talking about? You were that bread. They hate him. They flog him. They like, get out of here. You're talking crazy. So he moves from feeding people from the 5,000, um, and then he tells them, I am the bread of life. The progression that Jesus is making is he's moving people from the materialistic to the spiritual. He takes it a step further, and he not only says that I'm the bread of life, but a little bit further in the story, what Jesus does as he sits in this moment, and he tells them, um, I'm going to need you to eat of my flesh and to drink of my blood. Now, sit, slow down now. Hold on. Church, I know we get really like desensitized and we would have just kept breezing past that and just kind of kept moving. Jesus says, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And people said, that's too much. 
Now, who else would have been like, that's too much? I don't know about you, but I'm, that's too much. Thank you, Jenny. One hand in the room. All of, other you, you're, you're cannibals. Okay, crazy. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? Eat of my flesh, drink my blood. People are hearing this. That is too far. Jesus, what you are asking of me is too much. But before you get too spiritual, sit in that a little bit. Wouldn't that be too much for you? Wouldn't that be a little bit crazy to you? Like we read these things, and I think sometimes when we get, you know, super Christian, we just kind of like breeze past this stuff. I'm like, we talking about vampires in the Bible? Like this is why you got to like fully read all of Scripture, because there's some crazy things in there. So we sit in this moment, and Jesus asks this, but if you do a little bit more study, a little bit more reading, he's not actually telling them to literally do that. But at face value, before any questioning, before any asking Jesus, tell us further what you mean by that. Can you break that down for us? They say, that's too much. And what would be disciples of Jesus decide to turn and walk away from Jesus? What Jesus does in this moment from the 5,000 to I am the bread of life to eat of my flesh is he moves people from the materialistic to the spiritual. I wrote down a few thoughts. Can I tell you what Jesus does in this moment is he is getting to the point of moving people from seeking his hand to seeking his heart. And don't we need that today? That we can get caught up on what Jesus can do for us. Pastor Janet Jackson put it this way, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Throwback. Come on, y'all can hear me. You know, you don't listen to Janet? All right, never mind. Awesome lyric that she came up with. What have you done for me lately? And that's how we come to Jesus because a fan would just sit in the place of, Jesus, what can you do for me? And we seek Jesus' hand because he gives and he gives and he gives. But a follower not only satis is satisfied with the hand of Jesus, but becomes satisfied with the heart of Jesus. A fan will sit in the materialistic and be okay, but a follower removed from not just material things, but spiritual things. The progression of following Jesus will take us from not just being so caught up and satisfied with what can you do for me, Jesus, to Jesus, you're enough. Now, that sounds good, that sounds really good, but that's harder said than done. It's easier said than done, I should say. Way easier said than done because I think sometimes we can drift into a place of Jesus, give me, give me, give me. And because Jesus is a good father, he talks about how he gives and he gives and he gives and he, he wants to meet our physical needs. He's one that not only is just about the vertical of how, who we are spiritually, who we are when it comes to our relationship with him. But he says a full shalom, a full gospel is about what it looks like down here on earth. How do I meet your earthly needs? How, how do I meet you on an earthly basis? But we got to recognize if we build a faith on Fanship, if we build a faith on earthly things, on material things, can I tell you that you'll soon become a person that walks away? You'll soon become a person that I used to be and I was close to Jesus and then this happened and then I had a loss in the family and then this divorce hit my family and then, and then I, the faith that I once had is starting to crumble. Now, don't get me wrong, we go through things, people, and Jesus is with us in it, but we got to watch what we build our faith on. Because if it's just for the fish and the loaves of bread that Jesus gives, then we'll be sadly mistaken the moment that that runs out. The moment that we find ourselves in wealth one day and then living paycheck to paycheck the next. 
We'll find ourselves uh, struck and walking away from Jesus when uh, we had a ton of friends that were around me and I loved them and it was all cool. And then the next year, sophomore year, I have a friend group, but, but they all bailed on me and turned on me. And now it feels as if I'm alone. Uh, people were once talking good about me, but now this same group of people don't talk good about me anymore. And I built my faith on that. Point number one is simply talking about how Jesus in this passage talks about the progression of what it looks like to follow him. That it won't be just seeking his hand, but it'll be, but it'll be about seeking his heart. Can we become people that are satisfied with the presence of Jesus and who Jesus is? Now, I got to tell you, let me break that down because I, I preach it in a way that feels like this, but I can tell you some of my, my, my experience, my, my faith experience that I often find myself vacillating between the two. I find myself rocking with being a fan. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to be super spiritual. Now let, me, let me be a follower. And now I'm doing all the things with being a follower, and I'm satisfied with Jesus, and I'm solitude and silence, and I'm practicing the ways of Jesus, and his presence becomes enough. And then I find myself sometimes drifting. Because Jesus, why, why, don't, I, why don't I have a little bit more money in my pocket? Why, why don't I have this life? Why can't I live in this place? And why isn't this relationship like that relationship? And where's my friend group? And why can't I have that? And I'm starting to look at material things and then I'm dissatisfied with God because it seems as if materialistically I'm not where I should be. I don't have the fish and the five loaves of bread like scripture would say. Not only do we see a progression of following Jesus, but can I also encourage us with a little bit of challenge that it will always cost us something. That the good news of Jesus Christ is that it cost him something to show and express his love and pursue of all of humanity. And can I tell you, while salvation is not something that we can pay for, we can't be good enough for, that we can't be perfect enough for, and that it is freely given, but can I also tell you that it cost us? It cost us. This grace of God, this, this gospel, this, this relationship, it doesn't all relationships cost us at some level? It costs us when it comes to our time. It costs us when it comes to our, our resources, when it comes to um, going above and beyond, when we're tired and we don't feel like doing that. And then a friend calls and their world is rocked and we got to show up for our friend. Can I tell you that it costs us something when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? That it's costly. But the encouragement to all of us this morning is that God is with us and he knows what it's like for something to cost him. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I read a quote that I want to read for you and you're hearing Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, as I was studying an amazing book, if you haven't read it before, but the cost of discipleship. He is a German theologian and pastor and he's known for fighting against Nazi dic uh, dictatorship. He goes on to write in this amazing book that I encourage any person who is following, who is skeptical, who's trying to think about what following God is like. He writes these words, above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. Our faith is costly, but God meets us in that. And can I tell you, when you reflect on your relationship with God, when you reflect on your faith journey, if it hasn't cost you anything, 
can I just nudge you? We're not here about condemning or judging or anything like that, but I do want to nudge you this morning and just say that if it hasn't cost you anything, that if you've reflected and it hasn't actually pulled anything out of you, if it hasn't actually caused you to feel like this is drained, this is costing me something, this is cost me my friendship, this cost me my reputation. Jesus isn't about just dividing people and different things like that. But can I tell you, when you start following Jesus, sometimes that happens. That people who were once around you and because you want to live a life a certain way and you actually want to pray for those who are considered enemies, when you actually want to take a step of actually, I, I'm not going to talk to my wife like that. I understand that that's how you do your thing. I'm actually not going to raise my kids like that. I understand that's your thing. And when you start following after Jesus and having conviction, that is going to cost you. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he paid a cost for all of us. What I love about the cost is that the cost always reminds us of the cross. The cost will always remind us of the cross. And when we look at our life, let us not forget, let us not be do, uh, become too distant from what Jesus did for us. Because it was on the cross that he expressed his love. It was on the cross that he, that he lived into this place of costly living. His faith became something that was worth dying for. Your faith became something that was worth dying for. So when we think about the two points today, when we think about the progression of following Jesus, how we move from just seeking his hand to being satisfied with his heart, when we recognize the progression, but also recognize that it comes at a cost. We've been in this series, and I just want to simply drop the nugget on you this morning, uh, that it is Jesus' hope that we become fully devoted followers of Jesus and not just fans of Jesus. As we go into this last song, it actually speaks exactly about that, uh, of what it meant for Jesus uh, to pay that cost. And Jesus went to the cross for us. And let us never forget what happened on that cross, that it was love that was displayed, that, that it was an example for us, that Jesus lived this human life, the things that we feel, the Bible tells us that he, he felt what we felt, the stress, the anxiety, the day-to-day, the, the, -day, the friends are here today, and then there's a Judas and he turns his back on us. Jesus felt what that was like. And because it cost him something, he invites us into a free faith, a free salvation, but to experience intimacy with God will always cost us something. And that's the words of this last song. Uh, this last song is one that I also want you to know, um, typically some of you may get up and leave. It's the last song. Some of y'all will get up and leave. <laughs> Say it again for the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Some of y'all will get up and leave. We want you to sit just for a little bit, not just in the lyrics of this song and how powerful this song is, but we want you to sit in just a few moments because there's some things that we want to share with you about some updates uh, here to Scent. Uh, but I just wanted you to know uh, that that's what it means to follow Jesus and the cost of following Jesus. Uh, the words of this song hit so powerfully. And so I pray uh, that you will listen to these words and you will not only let them be sung over you, but you will lean in to the words yourself.